1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Daily Premier League News and Views. This is Football Social Daily. Manchester United
2: could go top of the Premier League tonight. Top Flight Action returns after a wild weekend of FA Cup football and Turf Moor is the venue as Burnley stand in the way of United and top spot. Is this now a proper title race? Who's in pole position and who will go the distance? Certainly won't be Sheffield United or Newcastle United who also cross paths tonight, the Blades still hunting for their first Premier League win of the season against an underwhelming Toon side and Everton and Wolves also clash with both sides having aspirations of a European berth this campaign. We'll also pick out the bones of West Ham's cuff encounter last night as the Hammers scrape past Stockport in the third round. Hello, I'm Niall McCorn and this is your daily lockdown listen when it comes to the Premier League. Welcome to Football Social Daily, new episodes of the podcast covering the English top flight every single day of the season. Alongside me today it's Marley Anderson. All right, Marley. Hello, guys. How are we doing? I'm very good. And we've also got straight talking Stefan Armstrong on the show. Hey up, Stefan.
3: Hey up, Niall. How's it going?
2: <laughs> good. I was trying to get you to say now then, but you didn't say it.
3: <laughs> I might sign off with now then. <laughs>
2: All right, all right. Well, I'll wait till the end of the podcast for you to say that. Say the line, say, say it, the line. Say I mean, are you in a better mood this week, Steph, <laughs> than you were the last time you were on the show? Because you were pretty miserable the last time you came on.
3: Yeah, I was pretty miserable. I mean, I'm, I'm suffering from football fatigue. Um, and uh, it actually turns out I've got coronavirus too. So uh, that's not great, is it? You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm allowed to be angry.
2: Well, get well soon, mate. I hope that you uh, I hope you do come through it. I mean, it's been a bit of a rough couple of years for you. You snapped your leg in about four different places, which kept you inside for ages. Then there was a lockdown, and, uh, <laughs> and now you've got COVID. Well, it's to get yeah. you, Steph. But I'm still here. I'm still here. He's hanging on. He's clawing on. A bit like West Ham did last night in the FA Cup. And that's where we're going to start in the third round of the competition, where they travelled up to Greater Manchester, to Edgeley Park, in fact, to play against non-league Stockport County. Uh, we've been to Edgeley Park before, Stefan. Actually, we've, we've watched a game there. I'm, I'm sure you've been there a few times, sort of following York City down the years. And did it surprise you to see that Stockport gave West Ham a good go? Because it, it didn't to me. Considering where they've come from in the last couple of seasons,
3: now last night was everything I expected from from a, a cold Monday night in Stockport. It was always going to be tough, for West Ham, and as you say now, we we've been down to Edgeley Park before, watching the mighty York City, <laughs> and they got they got humped four one by Stockport County that day, and Stockport got promoted up to uh, the Conference um, Premier, I think it's called now, mm. um, and. What's always struck me about Edgley Park is it, it's not a, a non-league football ground, is it? No, it's a de- it's a decent stadium. It's a decent setup. I think Stockport back in the nineties and the eighties were a bit more of a force than what we are now. So th- there's a bit of history there. There's a bit of a setup there. So it's always gonna it wasn't it was never gonna be like a Tottenham go down to Marine County and win five nil kind of game. Mm. It was always gonna be tough, and that's what happened le- there last night. And West Ham, as you say, rightly just about scraped through. There were no fireworks except from the fans outside the stadium.
2: Yeah, that firework display stopped the game, didn't it? Um, And I think that's because it was a tribute to a young lad who actually passed away in a car accident. So there was no um, malicious intent there. It's just a a pure coincidence that that took place. Um, But the final score, by the way, was 1-0 to West Ham at an 82nd-minute goal, Marley, to get West Ham through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. We spoke on yesterday's podcast about how West Ham should be a club really that targets some silverware considering they've been in decent form this season. But I suppose further to that, David Moyes would be quite relieved that they didn't suffer any serious injuries because when you go to a non-league ground and you get to these scrappy FA Cup games, that is sometimes where injuries can take place.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think they've they done well to come through it unscathed in the end. I think the performance was, was kind of how we expected. and I think we said yesterday on the podcast, didn't we, about... How it would be nice for West Ham to get through nice and easy, you know, no, um, no headlines, no drama or anything like that. Um, never for one minute, never for one minute did I think West Ham were capable of doing that because it's just not the West Ham way, as they uh, they like to say. They always like to make things a bit, a bit uh, sort of touchy and a bit, you know, twitchy bum time type of thing. And it took to the 83rd minute for a centre back to score the goal, which kind of underlined the the problems with with having only one striker at the club. If he's if he's playing every game, I know he's only been there's mm. only been one game since Halle left. But it you know if he's not doing it, it's nice to have an alternative on the bench. And they didn't have that last night at West Ham, so they were relying on somebody somewhere coming up with something. Um, and Craig Dawson, to be fair to him, is one of the most prolific centre backs uh, in in the Premier League in the last sort of seven or eight years he tends to score a lot of goals from from corners and set pieces and he popped mm. up and saved them last night but um yeah it was what, it was one of them where you know West Ham did what you expect them to do and uh probably worked a bit harder than what they, they would expect to on a on a dodgy pitch on a, a soaking wet Monday night in Stockport where nobody none of them wanted to be um but you know the the situation dictated that it was a Monday night and a in a rain-ridden Manchester. So, um, mm. yeah, but they're through and that's, that's all they'll care about, to be fair.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, getting through to the fourth round was uh, of the priority for West Ham last night. And although it was a tussle and a struggle, they managed to do it. Uh, interesting you mentioned Seb Haller because I felt, Stefan, last night that there seemed to be a lack of balls into the box. And those scrappy cup games, you're expecting the non-league side to smash the ball into the mixer and stuff like that. I thought that that game last night was absolutely crying out just for a bit of agriculture. Um, do you think that there's a negative stigma now attached to playing that route one style of football and getting it into the box you think of the likes of Burnley who we're going to talk about in a bit and Sam Allardyce <laughs> and all of these kind of cliches that go around with these old school English managers about tub thumping it long and all the rest of it do you think that there's a negative attachment to that now when actually it can be quite effective when used in the right circumstances
3: there's a massive negative attachment to it and as you say I've- I think more teams should probably play what is labelled as Route one football, especially especially a Stockport County against West Ham last night. If, if you show a bit of show a bit of toughness and getting in and about them and stick the ball in the mix of, and things are likely to happen. And that's how traditionally lower league opposition beat Premier League uh, teams in the FA Cup. So I'm surprised that didn't happen. But it's it's out of fashion. What what I don't get is how I think I think you need to have a certain level. Uh, or standard of footballer to be able to play um ticker tacker sure. football. Uh and there's only a few teams that can really do it. Um so I don't really understand why a team like Stockport County would try and attempt that. Seems a bit seems a bit daft to me. I would I would just try and make it as tough and mm. rough as possible for a, a visit in do you West Ham. What's downside.
2: interesting is you no, know, I've I've played in the the Sunday leagues I think as we all have and You never see that style of play in terms of being played along the ground and nice link-up smart football. It is always get it out, clear it long, hope the ball breaks for you. And if you get it in and around the box, it's what you do with it there. Uh, It's only when you get to a certain level, isn't it, of the non-league pyramid that you do start to see those more intricate styles of play.
3: What would be interesting is to go down to... uh like an under 11s under 12s game now and see cuz we were brought up in a certain generation where a certain style of football was delivered by our coach who maybe was It's only had... ever
2: 442. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2 but... I remember when I learned that there were other formations that you could play in a football match.
3: bizarre <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. isn't it and the coach always had a trial somewhere and he was heralded as a as a bit of a god. UEFA <laughs> uh, B license.
2: Yeah always UEFA
3: <laughs> B license they go away one summer you know they're not at pre-season training and they come back and they've got their B license and uh, <laughs> So I'd, I'd be interested to go down to, to kind of grassroots under-11s, under-12s football and see what see what they're teaching kids to play now. Because may, maybe they are teaching kids to keep it on the floor and uh, mm. and to move it about. But it, it, we're talking about how effective uh, it is. And for, again, for Stockport County last night, we, we've been to Stockport and Stockport as, as a town itself. I mean... What sort of reception did we get when we turned up there and went into the pubs? They they were really really not wanting us there, were they?
2: You know what I mean? And I was expect- probably because they were illegally streaming the Man United game on a projector. That, <laughs> that might be something to do with it. That's true. But I've
3: I've never once walked into a pub with now before, and it's like a Wild West scene. You know, like everybody everybody like kind of like goes
2: silent. And the music. It almost did. had those shutters on the door, when you walk through, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> waiting was- for someone to draw a uh, draw a revolver at the bar. Exactly. You, you, you feel there's there's.
3: Trepidation going into these establishments and that sort of trepidation I wanted to see at Stockport County last night and I don't think they quite gave West Ham that.
2: No, they made a great account of themselves though. So fair play to Stockport who are going good guns in the National League in their bid to try and make themselves an EFL club once again after a long spell in the non-league scene. If you have got a young son or a young daughter, as a matter of fact, and you're listening to this and maybe you are a coach of a youth football team, why not get in touch with us? Let us know what the style of coaching is these days because very much there wasn't really any sort of style of play when me and Stefan and Marley were were growing up I suppose you could argue it was very much just try and smash the ball into the goal (laughs) it's as simple as that keep it simple they say so get in touch with us social media at the sports social on Twitter you can find us sports social official on Instagram and if you're on Facebook just type in the search bar sports social and you should be able to find us there our DMs are open on all the platforms so send us a message and uh, let us know time to leave the FA Cup behind at least until uh, not too long in the future the end of the month probably when the fourth round ties take place but Premier League action is back tonight, thankfully. Talking of In The Mixer, it's time to talk about Burnley as they welcome Manchester United in the Premier League tonight. If Man United win, Marley, it means they go top of the table. Um, Even though they're a historic football club with many, many title victories under their belt, you'd think after seven or eight seasons without scooping the top prize in English football, they're going to be feeling the pressure a little bit tonight against Burnley.
4: Yeah, they probably will. um, with, With how the season's been, you know, um, not 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 everyone expected Man United to be in this um, position at this point of the season after the the bit of a dodgy start. Um, but yeah, now they've got the chance, and they've they've probably more importantly they've had a week to think about it. <laughs> because when when everyone <laughs> lost um, lost ground last week, you know, with Liverpool dropping points and what have you, um, it was it was a case of right, it's Man United's uh, chance now and they'll have been thinking about this for four or five days even when they were playing the uh, the FA Cup at the weekend they'll have been um, more than you know one and a half eyes if that's possible on um, on the Premier League um game against Burnley because it's not an easy way to not an easy place to go as the cliche cliche goes um and they're improving as well so um on a normal day you know when, um man united beat burnley you know 10 times out of 10 but when there's that added pressure and and the added form that that Burnley have been showing uh, recently then you know it's uh, all of a sudden it becomes a oh you know like a, well we better not lose this kind of thing otherwise everyone'll be saying you know oh well, they were never in the never in the title race because this is why you know they can't get the best uh, the better of a of a team they're expected to beat blah 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 and everything'll start again but it I mean tonight isn't the the be all and end all of the title race. I don't think they're out of the title race if they don't win. I don't think they're necessarily in much of a stronger position if they do win. Even though they are top of the league, I think there's still so many more twists and turns to go. Um, and I think you're looking at about March time. If you're top of the league in March, then you then you can say right, and then it's ours to lose now. Um, but with the amount of draws and and defeats people are picking up these days, I think there's there's still a long way to go. I
2: think there's a danger as well, Stefan, of maybe overlooking this Burnley game slightly because as Marley said, you know, all things considered, Manchester United should be beating Burnley nine times out of ten, as he mentions. But their next game at the weekend in the Premier League is against Liverpool. So if they can beat Burnley and go top and then get a result against Liverpool, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they've engineered this points gap between them and, and the rest of the chasing pack, which would be an unbelievable achievement, particularly considering the pressure that Solskjaer has come under this season and the criticism that he's faced. Yeah, psychologically,
3: it's massive, isn't it? I The mean, first time since 2013 they've been top of the league. Uh, and to to go in against Liverpool as, as the league leaders... I think that gives Man United a little bit of confidence which they'll probably need against the Liverpool team who I think we all still agree are probably a bit stronger than Man United are. So I think Mm. it's massive, but it's it's a weird one tonight, Um, the game against Burnley, because I wouldn't fancy going up to Turf Moor tonight, to be honest with you. I don't really fancy going to Turf Moor ever, but tonight, ah, I don't don't really (laughs) fancy it and I don't... It's it's interesting one because they never really got out of second gear um, against Watford in the FA Cup, so they clearly had an eye on tonight. Um, but it's a tough game, but Burnley haven't scored against Man United in the last five games at home, so the the omens are suggesting that Man United will, will, will do all right tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with Cavani back as well, that adds a different uh, alternative up top. So,
2: yeah... I, I think I think there will be top of the Premier League come the game against Liverpool at weekend. It is a different proposition though, Marley, turf more in January, we spoke about Edgeley Park and Stockport's ground, but Turf Moor in a, on a cold January midweek evening is a very different prospect than going to Turf Moor in August, and it is a cliche, um, but that was when this game was meant to be held, in August at the start of the season, but obviously because of coronavirus and United being in the Europa League, the game had to be rearranged, and it's finally been rearranged for this week. They've got another game as well next midweek, uh, next Wednesday, I think they've got a match too, so... You know, the, the fixtures are coming thick and fast. We saw Solskjaer rotate for the FA Cup game and probably because, you know, he had in the back of his mind the fact that they've got some big games coming up. But, you know, even though uh, Stefan's right and that at turf more Manchester United have been all right, Burnley have pulled some results out of the bag against United in recent seasons. I remember a 2-2 draw at Old Trafford and then they went to Old Trafford and won last season. So, you know, they're not a team to be taken lightly.
4: No, not at all. Um, I think was this was meant to be the first game of the season, right? Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you played that then with the the, the start we that uh, Burnley went on to have, you know, you would have said Man United. Excuse me, would have probably won that, you know, fairly comfortably because Burnley were were really poor at the start of the season and they had, um, you know, the the question marks over Tarkowski and, and Pope as well to an extent, and uh, they were they weren't in a position to to start the season kind of thing. They they got off to a really slow start but in recent weeks they've picked up a few a few results and that'll give them massive confidence and they, they won't be um overawed by, by Man United coming to, to turf more. They'd be they'll be relishing it. They'll be thinking we can get we can get a point here. We can we can nick a win here if um if we need to um if we if we play to our best because I think the one Area Man United have struggled to win games is to break down stubborn teams um, and teams that don't don't come and sort of come at them. Um, so then they can pick them off when the game's a bit more stretched and uh, sort of counter-attacks a bit. Um, Burnley are the absolute worst team to to play against <laughs> when you have that problem because they are going to play with two two banks of four two physical strikers to hold it up when they when they do get it up there. Um, and they they're going to be hard to play against So it's a it's a massive test really. This for Man United, and it'll be a nice um, sort of yardstick on, on which to measure them. Because you know how how this is what they struggled with earlier in the season. So how have they overcome that? And have they overcome that? Um, but we'll see tonight. Because like you said, it's 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 a cliche. It's a cold Tuesday night at Turf Moor. It's not a nice no. place you uh, you want to go really. And Burnley thrive in that environment. I think.
2: I've spoke to a few United fans and they all seem pretty nervous about the game against Burnley tonight and understandably so. I mean it is a big opportunity and you know, it's one they might rue not taking because this season has already meandered so many times and taken twists and turns, which leads me to ask Stefan, is this a bona fide title race now for Manchester United if they win? Are they legitimately in the title race along with Liverpool? Manchester City are going about their business very quietly. They seem to have got their act back together again. Um, You know, talks of Tottenham still haven't gone away. Chelsea, even though they've lost... Plenty of games already this season and they've been in poor form over Christmas and beyond. They're still in with a shout, perhaps, of being successful this season. It all feels so still open for, for any team, I suppose you could say. I can't really answer it until after
3: 25 games, I don't think. We're still we're still not halfway through the season, although it feels like football has been going on forever. We're still not at the halfway mm. mark. And as you say, there's, there's been a lot of chopping and changing at the top of that table. So I reckon the marker is about twenty five games. You'll you'll get an idea of who a title contender is and who isn't. Um, not just Man United, all teams, but in in a typical Man United fashion, I can see them uh, losing tonight and and winning at the weekend and then losing the next game in midweek uh, and then going on a a bad a bad run. Uh, and all of a sudden the sixth and you know it's between Southampton and man united who's getting
2: in fourth fourth spot so uh
3: it's it's it's
2: too early that's a fair enough comment i think you know you're absolutely right christmas came earlier than we were all expecting in terms of the calendar in in the premier league season i think it was only 12 games when the festive fixture fixtures began so certainly does feel that there's plenty of uh of ups and downs to be had yet before the season is out. Manchester United could go top tonight if they can pick up 3 points against Burnley at Turf Moor. That game kicks off at 8:15. Two more Premier League fixtures also taking place this Tuesday evening. We'll talk about them next here on Football Social Daily.
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social.
2: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall, Marley and Stefan alongside me. Time to talk about the other two Premier League games that take place this evening in the English top flight. We've already discussed Manchester United's opportunity to possibly go top of the table if they can beat Burnley at Turf Moor. Now let's focus on the early kickoff tonight, which is Sheffield United against Newcastle. I wanted to ask you about this one, Marley. Obviously, considering you're a Newcastle United fan... If there's one game that Sheffield United are going to win for the first time this season, are the Newcastle fans geared up (laughs) for it to possibly be them?
4: Oh, 100%. (laughs) There is not... There aren't many Newcastle fans who are expecting to breeze through this game tonight. Um, Not one would be surprised if Sheffield United were the first... um, If Newcastle were the first team Sheffield United managed to turn over this season. And only. Um, Yeah, it's... Well, that's crazy, isn't it, but it's it just sums sums <laughs> us up really. I think you know we've Sheffield United are sixteen games without a win, um, sorry sixteen defeats in it, or fifteen defeats and two draws, no wins, and they're still favourites to beat Newcastle. Like, but with the bookies, that just it's it's a perfect summary of how poor Newcastle are playing and how nobody expects them to win comfortably at any point. Like, how can you how can you possibly be? five points, uh, five places off the bottom of the league in our case and be not favourites for a game against a team that haven't won a game all season. The only game they've won all season is Bristol Rovers at the weekend. And even then they got pegged back twice by a League One opposition. And still, they're favourites to beat us. It's unreal, but I, I hope... I, I mean, I'm on tomorrow and I don't know what I'll... I don't know what I'll be like tomorrow. I'll be either breathing a sigh of relief, or I'll be on my way to Steve Bruce's house with a, with a kilo <laughs> with a, a kilo of cabbages, yeah, <laughs> and just lobbing them at his front door until he answers. But um, from a safe, a safe social distance as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's just a banana skin we're all expecting to slip on. You know when you're on when you're on like Mario Kart and you can see a banana skin in the distance but you think it's a coin so you swerve for it and you slip <laughs> on it and you end up going from like first to fifth. Oh, it is, this is the football equivalent oh, tonight of us. Yeah. It, us gonna balls it up against uh, Sheffield United. Or when
2: you're playing Mario Kart and you've been in first place for about two laps. Two and a half laps and you just know someone's gonna f- you up before you get over the (laughs) line. That is 100% uh, how you're feeling, I can imagine. Marley mentioned the Bristol Rovers game, Stefan. Um, Bristol Rovers gave a good account of themselves, uh, as we expected they would do. They did win, though, Sheffield United, in the end, by three goals to two. Do you think that will give them any confidence at all, or enough confidence in general, to be able to get something against Newcastle? Because I really like Chris Wilder. I think he's done an excellent job there, but there's no doubt there is a serious problem. A rot has set in Hasn't it at the Blades, and they need to just do something to get rid of it.
3: Oh, there's a there's it's it's a deep rot. I mean, to 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 have two points at this this time of the season is bizarre, isn't it? Really, the only team that did that badly, I think, was Derby, and this I think they still finished with 15 points by the end of the season. So,
4: <sighs> you know what? And uh, sorry, Stefan, just to put in there, the thing that gets me about this as well. You mentioned Derby. They finished with eleven, 11 points. points. Um, that that fateful season. Four of their points came against Newcastle. <laughs> Over a third of their points came against Newcastle. We didn't beat them. We we drew and we lost to them. So we have form for losing to these really poor teams. which really scares <laughs> me.
3: And Newcastle seriously, um, uh, the underdogs of the bookies for this game.
4: Yeah, they are. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're too we're just over 2 to 1 to win the game. Yeah. And I think Sheffield United are um they're about I think it's 20 to 30 or something like that. So like 66% chance of winning. Okay then Marley, without
2: trying to lay everything at the feet of Steve Bruce, which I know you think is a major part of the problem <laughs> with Newcastle at the moment. What what is it in particular that has been really kind of in recent games, let's just say over Christmas that's been really bothering? the Newcastle United fans is it a lack of effort from the players because under Benitez the fans are really proud of even though the team weren't the best side in the Premier League and probably not the best quality of squad they all put in 100% they busted a gut for the team Is there has there been a drop off in effort levels is it just simply a, a bad system and what would you say was is the real pinpointing factor as to why Newcastle are, are such long odds to
4: win tonight um, we don't create enough chances to be honest um, we don't we're not good enough in possession, We're not smart enough with the ball. Um, it's very... When we play five at the back, um, which I'm not expecting to tonight, but I'll come on to that in a minute. But um, when we play five at the back, the the attacking sort of tactics we've got is to stick it in the channel and let Callum Wilson chase it like every Sunday league team does. You know, when you've got a fit striker up front or a quick striker, you just put it in the channel mm-hmm. for him to try and chase and win a throw in or a corner up the pitch. Um, or we just sort of clear our lines and, and try and lump it forward. There's no um, there's no possession in in what we do. I mean, we, we've got the lowest average possession of anyone in the Premier League this season, and that shows when you when you watch us get the ball, it I, it goes forward too quickly, i.e. like too direct, and we lose it, or we try and pass it around in silly places and put five or six passes together and then find out that we're still halfway inside our own half and then it goes into the channels for Wilson to chase, like I just said. So it's one of them, but that, that mm. comes from the system and the system comes from the manager so everything can be traced back. You know, it's, I don't think it's the players on the pitch. I think there's a lot of talent in our squad, but um, Bruce is very conservative as a manager. He's not he's not brave at all. He he's, he's tries to downplay what we've got in the squad and, and say like, you know, we need five at the back because we're not good enough to, to dominate possession and it's like we don't have to dominate possession we just have to be a bit more braver in possession if you look at our Liverpool play they don't always like dominate we talk about the difference between Liverpool and Man City for example sometimes don't we and we say Man City keep the ball and, and almost like pass you to death whereas Liverpool get the ball and they keep it, but they go forward quickly as well. They, they they make ground up the pitch. And I'm not saying we should play like Liverpool. I'm just saying you don't necessarily need to keep the ball for 15 passes before you're a threat. You need to just pass it in the right areas. Mm. Um, and How wh- much are you missing
2: Sam Maximan, by the way? Sorry to cut you off there, but I mean, he's obviously been absent with coronavirus for ages. And, you know, if you look at that Newcastle squad on a sheet of paper, you're picking out two or three players who are dangerous. Sam Maximan will no doubt be in that top three.
4: Yeah, um, a lot, to be honest, because... You know, as I said, if 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 we are passing, you know, bumping it into the channels or whatever, um, the alternative to that is if, if you're not good enough at passing, you need somebody who can run and go past players, and there aren't that many players who can do that as well as St. Maximan. He's he's absolutely he's greased lightning. He's very, very, very good at going past players in tight areas and opening things up. So um when you're playing as we do with minimal possession you know, if you're gonna sacrifice possession, you need to have players that can go and do maximum possible, um, whatever's possible in such a sort of short time, and give him the ball see what he can do. If he loses it, fine, because you were never gonna keep it anyway. Um, but yeah, his his um his loss has been being a big uh, big issue for us because we haven't got that creativity now, and Almiron's not the same type of player, um, and he's not playing in his best position, which is another issue. For me, that comes from Bruce, because there isn't a number 10. I think if you're, trying, if you're trying to be more creative with the ball, having a flat two in midfield, um, playing alongside each other, does nothing because that means you can only go forward to your striker, to your one striker, which is Wilson. Um, and he has to fight with two centre-backs to even get a touch of the ball. So everything comes from Bruce. Um, the tactics are, are wrong. I expect to, him to to go for it a bit more like, like we did against Crystal Palace um, a few weeks ago. Um, and play sort of 4-4-2 tonight but i mean the fact that we're talking about 4-4-2 <laughs> in 2021 is is a bit Mally. a bit silly isn't it? it it doesn't it doesn't solve any problems after after that it synopsis
3: doesn't... you've just given there i can confirm i will not be watching uh newcastle united play tonight
4: <laughs> <laughs> i i will be putting my way putting myself through it and just hoping for something that will sort of enthuse me on tomorrow's podcast but if we lose tomorrow's podcast could be uh I don't know, I might just, might just sit here and not say anything, or I might just absolutely erupt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's a better occasion than the 17th of September 2007, when Newcastle United lost 1-0 to Derby County. Yeah. Derby, of course, was the whole of the worst ever season. It was Kelly Miller, 39th minute, and then they went 32 games without a win, and that ended up being their only win of that season Derby County Sheffield United on course to obviously break all of those unwanted records they're on the hunt for their first win of the season Newcastle on the hunt for just a little bit of something to smile about another game which takes place tonight in the Premier League Wolverhampton Wanderers and Everton do battle two sides who would expect to be in the top eight come the end of the season Stefan who's been the better this season Uh, I would argue Everton um and I suppose on the back of that, who's more likely to finish above the other at the end of the campaign, if it's possible to tell already?
3: Everton, 100%. Um, not just because of where they are in the league, but I like I like the foundation. I like the kind of the way they play. I like the signings that Ancelotti's made. He's definitely made an impact on the team. Um, and I think for the first time in a few years, Everton have feared um, and... You couldn't have said that about them uh, over the last few years. So 100% Everton. Obviously, it helps having a striker in form like Calvin Lewin. He's not playing tonight, um, so that that should even things out a little bit. The problem with Wolves that I've got is I don't. There's there's a lot of emphasis on on youth um, there at the moment, and I don't think the youth is really coming through for Wolves. Uh, at the minute, so if I, um, Nuno Nuno was saying uh, at the weekend that he needs uh, his his young players Fabio Silva to be a bit more clinical in front of the goal, and I don't think they're at that stage yet, and therefore they're just not as dangerous. So Everton have started better, and I expect Everton to probably finish uh, above Wolves in the table. Um, and why why top eight for Everton? I can I can see them pushing sixth, maybe fifth. So. Um, It'll be an interesting game, Um, but I think Everton have a stronger team at the minute, for sure.
2: That being said, have Wolves kind of maybe given themselves too much to aim for, considering they finished seventh the last two seasons? Or was it realistic for them to try and aim for that milestone again? Because, you know, even from an Everton perspective, they've got a, a game in hand over Southampton. They're level on points, or at least close to being level with Tottenham Hotspur. So, you know, they can feel very much in the hunt, Everton, for for a decent finish this season, but for Wolves, I feel that maybe the expectations are
4: slightly out of their reach this season. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, you know, that they need to, they need to set their sights, uh, finishing seventh again, uh, Wolves, but um, it becomes sort of harder to, to do it year after year because teams see, what it takes to get there, and and try and you know they, look at the amount of money Everton have spent in the last two or three years to, to get there, and they've got huge ambitions as a club with the the new stadium, the the um, you know top tier manager in, in Ancelotti, the players they're attracting, the players they're linked with in the uh, in the squad, so that, um, so they're gonna just get better and better, and that's what Wolves have to to deal with because they've done well the last couple of seasons, but they took a bit of a chance this uh, this summer in in selling jotter and Doherty and um then replacing them with Sumido and um fabio silva which so far hasn't really worked it was probably a necessary gamble for them to try and get higher than 7th because you've still got to be ambitious when you uh, when you get there but it, it hasn't quite worked this season um yet i don't think i don't think they're as, as good as they were last year and they might have to look at something in the summer and say well how can we claw that back because i can't see them finishing I'd say they still finished 9th or 10th, but not, you know, it, it'll be a drop off. <coughs> Excuse me. It'll be a drop off from, uh, from last season, I think. Everton
2: against Wolves tonight, another game in the Premier League. And it's all been a bit topsy turvy in terms of fixtures over the last 24 hours in the top flight. Tottenham was supposed to be playing Aston Villa, now they're playing Fulham. We'll tell you why next on Football Social Daily.
1: Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social.
2: Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Brand new podcasts covering the English top fly every single day of the football season, including the weekends. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss another episode of the show again. I'm Niall. I've got Marley Anderson and Stefan Armstrong with me to discuss the Premier League action on today's show. And we're going to talk now about the the deadly coronavirus that's been sweeping the whole world pretty much during this pandemic, uh, but it hasn't managed to see off Stefan just yet. He's still hanging on in there. <laughs> um, Spurs versus Fulham tonight instead of Spurs versus Aston Villa due to coronavirus. Obviously, Aston Villa had to field a very, very youthful team in their FA Cup tie against Liverpool on Friday night due to a, a mass outbreak of COVID-19 at their training ground. Their training ground has since been shut Aston Villa have liaised with the Premier League, the Premier League have liaised with Villa, and the decision has been made that for the safety of all involved, the game against Tottenham Hotspur will be postponed. But fear not, that doesn't mean Tottenham won't be in action on Wednesday. They'll instead play Fulham, as announced by the Cottagers on their website. It's all a little bit... Back to front in terms of these fixtures being arranged, Um, some of the games that take place over the weekend have been pushed back as well um, to different times, so make sure you go and check your calendar and check the fixtures for a full rundown of that because it is far too complicated to explain over the medium of a podcast, so go and check it out for yourself, but the big news is that Spurs take on Fulham instead of Aston Villa. Uh, due to coronavirus what's your take on it Marley probably the right decision in my view um, to call the game off we've seen Newcastle have games called off it feels like we're just going around in circles talking about this because this is now I think the fifth game that's been postponed due to coronavirus and at the moment with the state of affairs in the UK in society as a whole it feels like it
4: won't be the last for sure yeah I think um, I think they they got themselves um, the right solution I think if we'd had a week where Spurs had their game cancelled and they didn't play a game I think we'd look back on that well straight away but also definitely in hindsight and say well that was stupid because why didn't they play then because then they'd be playing three times in six days at the end of the season or something like that so um, it's smart to get them to uh, to play Fulham tonight in a um, sorry tomorrow night in a um, a rearranged, hastily rearranged match, but that's what you can do when when there's no fans. Um, it becomes easier to rearrange games, um, and as long as everyone's on board, then then fair enough. But I think everybody has to uh, to make allowances for the um the situation being what it is, with you know clubs being affected at certain times, um, with outbreaks and what have you. We've seen it with Newcastle. We've seen it with um with Aston Villa and Fulham as well, um, who had a game. I think they had a game called off the other week, didn't they? Fulham against um, was it Crystal Palace or something? I can't remember who it was. Now there's been that many outbreaks of it. I can't keep up with the fixtures myself. But I think um, it's a good decision to just get, get Spurs to play. It doesn't really make that much difference. You've still got a, you you, you are is you were always preparing for a game. Um, it just happens to be different opposition and it's um, it's fair enough. It's, it's the sensible thing to do, I think.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right. There's rumours, Stefan, that elite sport could actually be paused for four weeks due to the rising cases of coronavirus and public rule breaches by some of the players. I'll just list off a few here. Milivojevic and Mitrovic, the Fulham players, uh, the Fulham player and the Crystal Palace captain, Uh, met up on New Year's Eve their families mixed together obviously breaking current protocol Benjamin Mendy as well in recent weeks has broken the coronavirus rules Eberechi Eze was at QPR his former club in the FA Cup at the weekend Uh, QPR have apologised for allowing Eze to be in the stadium and watch them on Saturday he wasn't wearing a mask he didn't need to be there obviously he would just go down as a supporter who are currently banned from being allowed in stadiums due to the situation of public health at the moment do you think a season break would be the right call considering all of the breaches that we've seen elite sport have because people will, you know, champion the the mental health benefits of watching something on the telly like a, a football match, but if the players and those involved can't adhere to the rules, it makes it quite difficult to justify, I think.
3: Yeah, it's a tough one. Everything else in the world stopped, but football's allowed to continue, but football has been put on a pedestal in, in our society, hasn't it? So it's kind of one rule for footballers and, and another for everybody else, which isn't right. Um, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. We, we can't watch football every single night uh, and be entertained and, you know, have something to do whilst we're all locked down, whilst, uh, you know, <laughs> without them playing. So it's, it's a double-edged sword in a way. I mean, in terms of like the, the clubs themselves, it depends. It depends what their form is and where they are on the table to what their answer will be. Like uh, Oli gonna is gonna say, "Nah, football's dead important We must continue at all costs." And mm. Sam Aldice is saying, "We need a break. He just wants to work in his back four. Uh but he's saying, "No, for the sake of for the sake of uh, the, the health of the public, we need a break." So there's a different modus operandi going on as well with different managers. So it it's tough. Like things like the QPR incident, that's inexcusable, isn't it? Celtic going to Dubai, that's yeah. inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, Shopping, yeah, it's, really. It's, it's bizarre.
4: Celtic, uh, Celtic decides if they're going to break the rules they're going to do it properly. <laughs> yeah, Why not? You know what?
3: Go for a jolly and get a bit of a tan as well. But So, it's, it's so difficult to answer that because the benefits are clear for everybody, all the fans. We've got something to do. Uh, we can talk about it on a podcast on a Tuesday. Great, you know what I mean? But you know... Lower leagues have had to stop and the Premier League goes on. It seems a bit unfair, but there's no answer, is
2: there? Well, that's the key, Stefan, especially from what we've seen over the FA Cup weekend. And I want to be careful what I say here because I don't want to throw the likes of Chorley and Marine under the bus. But when you see the Marine supporters lining the streets of Crosby to welcome a blacked, windowed out Tottenham Hotspur team bus when they arrived at the ground... Um, you know, it's different to people sitting in their gardens and watching the game. That's totally different. But when you've got people, hundreds of people lining the streets, it doesn't look good for elite sport in the middle of a pandemic. When you see, surely, players in the tra- in the changing room after the game all in very close proximity to each other in a box like changing room where there's no space, all singing Adele, shouting, um, crammed full of people in there. They're not elite athletes. They're not tested twice a week. You know, so it just doesn't look good, does it? Really?
3: No, it doesn't look good. Um, as I say, these, these these people need a bit of light relief, and, and that's that's where they they're putting their energies. And it's it's not right, is it? But try try going down to Marine County and telling people that the biggest game in their club's career, their, their, their club's history, um, mm. you're, you're you're not allowed to see any of it. Um, so it's it's tough. Going going back to the, um, the fixture list, I thought uh, Jose Mourinho was very clever at the end of the Marine County game. Um, he wasn't saying that he was expecting to play Aston Villa on Wednesday. He was saying, I am playing a football game on Wednesday. I don't care who it's mm. against, but we, Tottenham, will be playing. Um, so I thought that was a good bit of management, a good bit of media management there by Mourinho
2: yeah definitely do you think that if there is a season break of four weeks which is what the rumours are suggesting Mali I'm not sure how legit the rumours are but that's why they are just rumours Do you think that would be the right decision in your view or will it just decimate everything that's already began in terms of us being five weeks behind the season already? It feels to me, especially with the EFL being included in the elite sport argument, that we will be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the remainder of the season. And, and, you know, you talk about the well-being of players and the health of players and trying to keep them fit and injury free. I mean, that's going to do them no favors. So what's your take on it?
4: Um, I said. I think I said a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? I, I can see it happening. I think they, they, um, they've stressed that they haven't talked about this four-week break um, and it, it hasn't been proposed yet. I don't believe that for a minute. I think they've probably talked about it and said, well, not yet. Um, we don't need to talk about this yet because it's not, you know, uh, on the verge of needing to happen. Um, but I think, you know, cases are still rising in the country every day. Um, more and more, when you think about it objectively, football going going ahead simply doesn't make sense. Um, as much as I, I I don't want it to stop, um, obviously I wanna I want that escape. Um, you know, Michelle Owen was talking on on Saturday's podcast about um, it being an escape mm. for people, and it's the one part of sort of people's lives that. Is that hasn't been affected too much by coronavirus because it's still something going on. Um, it's still, you know, it's not like pre-recorded TV shows or something like that. Or um, it's something that people can can really take on and and still have some sort of affection towards. But I can see it stopping at some point, um, especially with you know this the country in a sort of indefinite lockdown at the minute. I think there's there's not even a a time on um, that ending. So if if the whole country is on a on a lockdown and football isn't, I mean, it still it doesn't really make much sense. Um, as much as I would like it to continue, um, it doesn't make logical sense. But then again, our government doesn't make logical sense half the time. So you never know what's going to happen. So.
3: <laughs> now last weekend I was making making uh, macrame plant pots. So you know, please let some form of <laughs> live sport continue say, that'd be great
2: i'd tell you what you can spend some time explaining to me what they are because i don't have a clue <laughs>
3: <laughs> well i think we need a separate podcast for this but can i just quickly say right when uh, at the beginning of every podcast Nile sends out a little list of uh, questions of email so you know so we can prepare a few things that we want to say about each different topic and uh, the question that you, that you wrote down for this one was brilliant will a season break be the right call or will it decimate everything that's already begun? In my head, like, I was seeing like, the city of Rome like crumbling <laughs> to the ground and Atlantis coming out the ocean.
4: <laughs> yeah, in Niall's head, it looks like that scene from uh, I Am Legend, yeah, he's just stood in the middle of the street with his dog and that's it. <laughs>
3: It's decimated everything that's already began. I feel like I
2: feel like Braveheart. I'm gonna like get the face paint out and stand in oh, the middle of outside brilliant. a stadium saying, You can take our football, but you'll never take our freedom. Uh, I don't know what might happen from the government. Um certainly there are suggestions there could be a pause in football and elite sport for a few weeks. I personally can't see that happening. Whether it does happen or not is another question, but in my personal opinion, I just simply can't see that happening. Of course, as we mentioned before, Tottenham take on Fulham instead of Aston Villa tomorrow due to coronavirus. We'll obviously talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. But as for today's, that's it done and dusted. So thanks very much, Marley.
4: Cheers, guys. I'm going to go and Google what a macadamia plant pot is now as well, or whatever it was called. They're nuts, aren't they?
2: Macadamia nuts.
4: (laughs) It's all gibberish to me.
2: Uh, Stefan, hope you recover from coronavirus very soon, my friend, and don't get too bogged down building plant pots.
3: Yeah, cheers, guys. And this is just for Mali
2: Now then. <laughs> Speak to you tomorrow on Football Social Daily.
1: Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social